Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. So I was just texting this ghost to come and um, kill you real quick. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, if you could get him uh, kind of on a better schedule, that would be helpful to me. It's like... We've moved this around so many times. Just kill me. Yeah, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? I understand it's right before the holidays, so we're recording this. It's yeah, just, you, people are all over the place. But like, at this point, just wait until January to come right. kill her. Hunt it to the new year. I think that yeah. that's fair for pretty much anything at this point. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, pulling back the curtain, it's uh, December. I don't know when in December this is and when you're listening, but hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We hope Thank you're you having us. Thank you for joining us. Christmas time. How are you doing? Have you read any interesting news recently? Um, I, you know, I, I, we, we did both read a piece of ex-wife of the Dave, of the pod Dave in the background there. Hi, Dave. Getting his son's toy. Um, you know, I did, Allison, we both read some extremely, I think, exciting. I, and, I mean, I, I think for the subject, it certainly is. Um, fascinating. It is fascinating, um, news that, um, a, snakes apparently have clitorises. And, you know, it's, I, what's great about no it snakes. is, Ghost snakes, absolutely. And also just like to, I've never, never even considered it for one second, whether they did or not. Just didn't. And that's all me, right? I guess, our culture. What was your, I, I think I assumed that pretty much every single animal has all the same organs. <laughs> See, I think on some level, and this is like, maybe I was like, I need to explore. I thought it was just mammals. Right mm, or like that or I knew that I knew that the penises, vaginas, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. reproductive, but not pleasure centers. Yes, and so the fact, but also makes sense that like we evolved, you know, our physiognomy or uh, uh, um, anatomy. We've evolved it in response to living in the world. So it makes sense that these other animals were also like, all right, we got to figure out a way to like at least enjoy this. And yeah, it's just well, incredible. I would imagine that like pleasure centers during sex are like so that you would have it like if it would like exactly if you didn't come like why would you like what would the point be? like nobody would do it as much as they needed to procreate when we needed more and beings. i think I now think we that, don't <laughs> we're good what i think this is interesting because i feel like as humans we put we put so much stuff on especially women's sexuality yes. that i feel like it's like oh my my thinking around it is shaped by mm. like how we're socialized. We're like, it really isn't about pleasure. It is about oh, solely about procreation, especially for women. So I'm like, wow, even like how I've been indoctrinated, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To think about sex affects how I look at how animals have sex, which is also like happens all the time in science. Like science, yeah. I mean, like we try to say it's objective, right. but then you look at alternate history, it it's like, Oh, people were just making shit up because because of their own cultural biases. And yeah. my cultural bias led me to think, well, not that I thought, no, there's no way snakes have clitoris. Simply never thought of it. 
didn't yeah. think it would even be possible. Shoot for the moon, land on a safe clitoris. That's what I always say. You know what I mean? Open your mind. Yeah, of course. I well, it's like we we always people talk about how like dolphins are the only animals that have sex for pleasure, and I'm like, how on earth would we know that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh where it's like, are they like not only do we not, exactly. like not only how do we know that they're having sex for pleasure, right. but also how do we know that they're the only? There are so many animals. Yeah, and you've got to think a lot of them. That's why they're doing it. Like, I mean, they must be again, so bored. Their whole world is, is just it's like eating, I'm in the grass, right? It's eating, fucking, trying not to die, which is yeah. what we're doing too. But like, I we guess have, that's we like the internet or whatever, yeah, right? But, um, read a book. But yeah, exactly. Like, how would we know that? That also seems like to pr- to come into in, to look at reptiles and assume that they wouldn't be having sex for pleasure as a as a as a female reptile. Yes. Fascinating. You know, and here's a quote from um, the, the author of the study. Um, she's a PhD student at the Universal of, um, University of Adelaide. Megan Falwell says, there's a massive taboo around female genitalia. Girl, here you. I mean. <laughs> and they, she thinks that's why no one really, like, found this before. She, she says, I think it's a combination of not knowing what to look for and not wanting to. Boy, Megan, you said it. Oof. I mean, we barely know how human female reproductive systems function and human sexual organs function for women, like female. Like, so of course we don't know what's happening in the animal kingdom. Do you remember seeing like for the first time, like, like uh, obviously the clitoris also like we grew up in the nineties where it's like the joke was like how to find it. It's like, and it was like fake, (laughs) but also it's like, that's not like, it's not a big area. It'd be like, it's like, it's pretty obvious. So again, as a woman, what a weird thing to be raised with that question. And then also do you remember seeing the first time you saw like, like the external clitters, and then there's sort of like the horseshoe shape on the yes. Like external. Yes, blew my mind. Well, it's about that. And I was like, how weird that we're still learning about our own organs. But of course, you know, it's so taboo to like even talk about, again, like, which is, I mean, listen, you know where I'm coming from, but like such a right. societal, cultural yes. like, attempt to crush female sexuality in all forms. Mm-hmm. We're not even, we don't even want to know about it. It's so no. gross and it's so upsetting. And I, I hope I'll, if you're a snake listening to this, go out and get yours. Have a great time. Yes, obviously, obviously, but like, get freaky with it. I don't know what that would mean. I mean, I I can just see a snake being like, like coming. Thank you. No, no, I got it. We all did. I think that was a great impression. Because what else are they saying? They're not like screaming, right? They don't make a lot of sounds, but they do a lot of. Right, it's like uh, it's like oh, sorry, we we found that snake's nest, nest. All that screaming, it, they're having a great time in there. So yeah, let yeah. Them they're actually out. Pretty happy. Yeah, <laughs> leave them be. They'll well, eventually go to fall asleep. That's that's some exciting news, and I think uh, if if you guys know us at all, you know that this podcast is good for horror movies, uh, devastating environmental news, and now uh, reptilian sexual news. So, and speaking of horror movie news, news just because it came out um, oh, yeah. yesterday, the Scream trailer, and it is uh, Ghostface takes Manhattan. Basically, it is um, Ghostface on a subway train, uh, staring at some <laughs> of the returning characters from yes. Scream Five. Did you watch it, Allison? I didn't watch. I, I I got like a second no. in, and then I was. I you saw before. it, and it's just like, yeah. how do you feel about Scream being moved to a place like Manhattan or like New York, like something from a small town to a very busy? Well, I do city. think they're going to have to do a lot to make up for the fact that we have no Sydney, and yes, exactly. I think that that like setting it in a new place, like going outside, but like Woodsboro is like iconic. You know, it's the fifth character. It's I mean, it's such really? an important. 
Uh, but like they went to LA and, yep, but that, and that was fun. Wasn't, you know, it was fun, but I feel like it's not considered as no yeah. as good as the the Woodsboro based scream. So I'm very I'm ang- but I also I love when things are set in New York, especially if they're actually shot here. So yeah, I agree. And yet our returning characters, we've got um sort of the the two sisters uh, that were the protagonists in Scream Five. For Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera, play play Sam and Tara. We have Gail Weathers, of course, who incredibly Courtney Gail, Cox. Thank Gail, God she's Gail. returning. Thank God. And I also like that because it implies like maybe now that Dewey has passed, that she does go back to that morning show we saw she had. Oh, that would be fun. So maybe that's why she's in New York too. And then we have yeah. Mindy Meeks and Chad Meeks. Thank God. Again, spoiler alert, they both survive. Uh, who's played by Jasmine Sav- Savoy Brown and Mason Gooding. And then Hayden Pantier, P- Hayden Pantione. I, I don't know how to, I never know how to pronounce him. <laughs> Hayden, Hayden Holiday Bread. Hayden Holiday Bread back as Kirby Reed from Scream 4. Right. I think that's iconic. That's I'm, fun. It's that's really fun. fun. It's it's missing, you know, I miss Dewey and I'm, I miss Sydney, but the makings of a movie that we're absolutely going to cover regardless of if it's good or not. Yeah. I think I, the way I feel about like asking that question is how I feel about like people asking about like M. Night Shyamalan movies or at this point, like the Wachowski sisters where it's like, how dare you ask me if this is any good? I'm not watching this because I think it's going to be good. Okay, I'm right. watching it because I'm going to have a great time. Right. And that's how I feel with screen movies. Oh, do I think it's going to be good? Who are you? Yeah. No, I don't. And I'm going to have a fucking blast, bitch. Yeah. Not everything that's good is fun, and not everything that's fun is good. Right, exactly. That's important. And, there, and, and who I knows? Think- there's always an opportunity to be good. I mean, like, hey, at any point in time, it could be good. Yes. And, and that's... I mean, what a segue to bring us into today's movie. Oh, and yes. um, just uh, a little fun. We're doing a reverse ruined where uh, Hallie will uh, be the, playing the Allison and Allison will be playing the Hallie. And I am going to ruin a movie for her. And um, I want to say thank you so much for doing this. I, I think it's, I don't know what order this is coming out in, but I was in a bit of a fender bender. So I am um, yes. in pain yes. and on um, muscle relaxer. So yes. Which another another role reversal for us, <laughs> really? Oh, I know. I'm like ah, in turn, my skeleton must become you know unhinged. Yes, yes. get ready so, for some metal. Um, we're having a body also, swap, but only like the most annoying parts of our lives yeah. are body swapping. Yeah, just like the medical problems, not any of the fun. Um, but uh, I I think also people have been asking for another reverse. It's been a minute, and I think like the fun is to do a movie that is not you know inherently scary in the way that many of ours are, but. But still, horror and kind of in the, I I would say this isn't good, but it was kind of fun. Um, right. And we are ruining the iconic 2021 Karen. I mean, and I we of course heard about it. Yeah. Karen's really had a moment. Yeah. And right, they jumped on this. Like they turned this thing around pretty quickly. And um, it was during because, I think the pandemic really came up, and and the George yes. Floyd protests. The idea of yes. a Entitled white woman who is uh, using her personal grievances um, and directing racism as a result yeah. of them, like internalizing an experience and then just using the full force of her white privilege and yes. racist experience to bear on people of color, specifically black people. Yes. Is that how you would describe a Karen? I think so. Is that what the movie is reflecting? I think that's, yeah, 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 of course. But that's a good, I think that's a good description. And and Hallie obviously has seen the trailer for this movie. Hallie, mm. what did you think about the trailer? What did you think about like Karen as a, as a horror 
I mean, I, I would say this is certainly more thriller uh, than mm. horror, but it uses a lot of horror tropes, and I think we're we're in the same world. I mean, frankly, I love it in as much as like all great horror. You know, it's about trauma, but it is about you know using using horror as a way to critique society. Karen's, you know, I think it is hard. Like every um, every piece of black vernacular is immediately like taken and co opted and. Yeah change to me all sorts of stuff like now I just think it means like any middle-aged white woman who's like being annoying yes. or like loud which is not the, the original meaning but I will say this is there is something about pointing out like white women's uh fragility around race mm-hmm. and I say that as a white woman myself yes, like of course and identifying that as like this is a thing that goes on in society I do think is helpful so it makes sense that this is a horror movie like we explore every element of life through horror so it makes, yeah. to me, I'm like, yes, of course. Now, do I think it's going to be good? Absolutely not. I want to be absolutely clear about that. Yeah. But I do like Taryn Manning. I don't know anything about her personally. I'm hoping she her not herself a Karen, but does she seem like that kind of celebrity where like, maybe, you know, maybe she did vote for Trump twice. But um, other know. than that, yeah, I don't want to spread those rumors. Maybe she's great. Um, but I think she was great. She was great in um, Orange is the New Black. And yeah. I think she's going to give her 110% to this film. Yes, and she does. And okay, and this great. was um this was a BET original uh that oh, I believe they, yeah. made, they made for um a vertical that where they did films. I'm still like I mean sorting through like what streamers do what and why is like confusing and I work in this industry. Um but it's 90 minutes. I mean perfect length. Yeah. Um and I guess Hallie I for a baseline scary I guess I'm, I'm the obvious question that I'm not going to ask because I don't think I need to, and I think that we should, you know, we'll talk about it as we move through the film. Is how scary do you find the concept of racial discrimination leading to violence? But of course, that is um, terrifying and needs not to be asked. I would hope. <laughs> well, I think I think it is terrifying. I do think there is something again as as white women, we're like it is a necessary part of like the anti-racist project in this country 100%. for us to deal with really hard truths about ourselves, and those yes. truths are you know, using our white privilege, privilege to say, call the police on black people who aren't doing really anything. It, you know, it's it's using our own sense of victimhood, which is, yes. it's complicated because like that is, I think as a white woman, like you are raised to think of yourself as a victim and to act yes. like a victim, but that's to, to undermine your own power. But then in these situations that you, you know, the power you have is as victim and to wield yes. it against black people, like that is a part of, like, that's terrifying to know about yourself. Like, you know, again, I don't think I've done that, but I certainly know that I we were we were raised to do yeah. that. And I would absolutely believe if at any point somebody was like, yeah, this is how you behaved and this is what it led to. And be like, yes, of course. Like, that's... Right. That's and real. That's my... That is my responsibility. Yeah. And my attempt, like, every day is just an attempt to make sure to not be doing... Right. And that. I think that's like, and again, like, not that we're experts, but I think it is like, that is what people say. Like, well, it's like, oh, I'm not racist versus being anti-racist. And it's yes. like, well, I, I'm not racist versus black people. Okay, but what are you going to do about it? Right. But I do think as white women, part of the thing we have to do about it is talk to one another and really ad- acknowledge and address this part of white womanhood versus being like, you know, whatever. This is entirely about getting like women in an office or whatever. Like, we have to uh, try to tackle all these like, so, systemic things that are yes. put inside us that we bring into the world as well. So, I mean, it's terrifying to think about that as a white person, but also that's true, you know, yeah. like that, that is, that's what we're raised to do and, and to believe on some level. 
Um, so I do find that scary. Um, yes. Yeah. But for a more fun, light, looking at this as a horror movie and less as a satir- as a, not, it's not satire, it's a, it's a criticism of the way racial bias functions in this country. How scary do you find the concept of new neighbors? Or moving into, a new, let's say you moving into a new place well, and having new neighbors. I which- will say, I literally just got an apartment. I'm going today to sign the lease. And my first thought when I got the apartment is, I wonder if I just got this apartment because there's a serial killer living next door. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I find it terrifying because, again, it's something out of your control. Like, yes. you don't know who you move in next to. And it turns out it's a Karen who's got some crazy ideas that she's going to bring to your doorstep. Like, uh, it's almost like when you buy a house or rent an apartment, it doesn't doesn't say who lives around you, you know? Right. That's not part of the, you know, features of the place you're moving in. They don't include that in the listing. And for most part, people are normal and just trying to go about their day. So I would say it is very terrifying, um, especially in a horror movie setting where I know this is going to end up being, she's going to be a bad neighbor, Allison. I know it. I just know it. Yeah. So I want to ask... Do you want to guess the twist? Guess the twist. I have to think that, like, this is going to be one of those, like, oh, it turns out Karen was married to a black man and has black children or something. Or, like, there's going to be some personal, like, she's, she's acting out and, like, putting all this violence onto this new couple moving in next door because she has misdirected racist rage from some other part in her life. Fabulous. That is what I mean. You both are an astute student of uh, of horror, but also uh, see the world as it is. Which is right. That's what happens in reality. So, and also, I'm uh, so sorry. I did look up Tiered Manning. This is from Daily Beast. This is 2020. So, of course, like during the um, George Lake protest. She, um, this is a Daily Beast headline. Orange is a new black star. Tiered Manning goes full QAnon defends Trump's Bible photo op, which is before this, maybe this is like when they were filming it or right before, because this movie came out, um, I think last year, right? Yeah, 2021. But who knows when they were. It they seems like it was put it. together pretty quickly, I will say. I mean, it is like, I it certainly was written kind of quickly. Um, <laughs> but it was obviously just capitalizing on kind of the, yeah. the social like rise of the concept of a Karen, even though that's yeah. always been around. Um, okay, so let us begin ruining Karen. We open on a colorful chalk drawing of the words Black Lives Matter on a street. And then suddenly a white woman dumps a bucket of soapy water over it and starts rubbing it away. Title card, Karen. Like, we're just like right in. And I will say like, look, this movie is extremely heavy handed in what kind of, in her behaviors, in everything. But at the same time, like to see all, it, it does create like a really good as a white woman watching it, the feeling of unease that Mm -hmm. this Black family feels at every single second living in this white community, I think, I I, I would have to assume, is pretty accurate. And even though it seems silly and over the top, like, it is this reminder that, like, every fucking thing you do when you're around people with biases and people who are racist and people even who aren't, quote-unquote, racist, but certainly are distrustful of anybody who isn't white, becomes this this very, you are never comfortable. And I think that this movie did a really nice job of, like, showing that. Will any white people watch this? No. Um, well, you watch it. I watched it, you know? I had to find where 
BET, like what, who owns BET? Like, which is like a very complicated, Five every, pounds, I'm like, is yeah. it A&E? Like, I, who knows? Honestly, um, God, it changes every week, you know? It changes every like, week. There's going to be one company that owns all of media soon, and I can't wait for it to just be over. Um, <laughs> so we have very chilling string music over these like sweeping shots of a beautiful suburb. We don't find out until like the last 10 minutes that this is Atlanta, but okay. it's like outside of Atlanta. Um you know, we see cul-de-sacs with like huge houses, super close together, um, just a classic white American suburb. Uh, and we see a guy, uh, a black man carrying in moving boxes from a truck that go inside of this house, this like big, nice house. And there's this like young black couple moving in. Uh, honestly, they could have made the whole movie just about moving in. And I would oh, be yeah. like, this is scary. <laughs> like, this is terrifying. There should be a horror movie about moving. I can't believe there hasn't been one yet. Um, so we meet our couple, uh, Imani, who's played by Jasmine Burke, and Malik, who's played by Corey Hardricht. Um, and they're kind of like hugging and noting like, oh, we're a long way from East Point, which I guess is the place in the city, which maybe is like an, a known Atlanta neighborhood. I have no idea. I know nothing about Atlanta. Um, but he's saying, you know, they're far from East Point. He's going to have to commute back there. But she's like, don't worry, I work from home, which I think is like the most modern marriage, like commuting husband, work-at-home wife. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're getting, you know, the people, you know, they've got some friends helping them move stuff in. And we cut to an exterior of another house, uh, you know, which we learn is right next door, a teen boy and a young girl. And their mother kind of like rushes out and she's like, what would you think is a Karen hairstyle? Um, it's the bob. It's the bob with the it's short the back, and it yeah. is. Um, I I was associated with Kate from K plus eight, J- John and K plus eight. Yes, I think that. I think also like they do it. I liked what the choice they made for this, which is like, it's jet black, and like that's not the right coloring for her. Like that's not right. a compliment. Like like she looks so. And I don't. I I don't know. Like I know that this was made like very quickly during the pandemic, and probably for not a lot of money. So I can't say that this was intentional, but. She is lit so poorly throughout this film that she looks very ghoulish with like super fair skin, super dark hair. But I would say the black characters are lit really well, which rarely happens in TV and movies because everything is lit for white people. Um, And I don't know if it was intentional to create more of a villain here, but like it certainly feels intentional. Do you think? I hope it is. Um, And like the hair, it's like I don't know. It's like. Yeah, I, I, to me, this, this makes sense that, that we are casting her as, um, completely washed out. Yeah, right. It's just like, there's nothing appealing about her. Like, she seems very, like, ghoulish and dead almost. Yeah. So she, like, and, you know, so, you know, we see this, like, teen boy and this young girl walking to their car. It's time to start the day. And Karen kind of, like, comes out in a huff and she's, she's like, what are you wearing? Go back and change. Dude, like, we can already, she's just a bitch from the jump. And, oh, boy. Just, like, not a nice mom, not, you know, just, like, really, like, everything makes her angry. She gets the kids in the car, and she sees Imani and Malik, and she she has a look. And then she kind of waves hi, and Imani's like, she seems nice. And Malik is like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, it's just, like, they set up, the, the way they use music stings and kind of pauses in this movie, it's so horror and so scary, <laughs> and rightfully so. Um and again, like this film just did such a good job of film, movie, um, of like making things feel just like you're constantly uncomfortable when yeah. you're with um, Imani and Malik. Like it's just like you just feel eyes on you at all times. You feel not wanted. And it really, I, again, like it, 
is this a fabulous, you know, sweeping movie? No, but like they did a really nice, they did the things that they came to do. And I think that that's, you know, not every movie can do that. And I, I applaud them. Um, so Karen's kind of like watching them move in and her friend comes over and, you know, I tried to find who the friend was and it like wasn't, the IMDb for this is like kind of a mess. Um, I, be, I, I think that this woman is Asian, but I don't want to like ascribe a race to her, but she certainly looked Asian. Um, and they gave her like no name. Um, and she's like, ooh, new neighbors. Like she's Karen's friend. And she goes, and they're black. Like it's very oh, just boy. Like, Oh, to live outside Atlanta, you know what I mean, and to be shocked of all, like of all of the places, like there's so many. But I guess it's like that is unfortunately like there's no there's no there's no place where people are not racist, you know. And I do think uh, we we talked recently about like in the movie um, A Quiet Place, which we have not done. Mm There is a scene in which or an ongoing sort of continuing moment of dread in which there is a nail sticking out of a step, like a wooden step. And the, the tension as the audience member is, you know someone's going to step on that nail. And so yes. you're watching it. And so like in this, the nail is racism. And you know yes. that she yes. she is the nail. And yes. you know, all, it's like you can walk around it, but the nail's always there. And eventually if you have to walk over it or towards it, like the inevitability is there. It's, it, yes. The problem is the nail. The, the problem is yes. not the walking. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Perfect analogy. Um, and her friend, uh, who I think they call Jan at one point, says like, I've never seen a black family in this neighborhood. And Karen's like, I know, right? Like, oh boy. Ooh, a chilling victim. Uh, never seen one. And her friend is like, maybe we could get them on the HOA. And then she kind of runs away to do whatever neighborhood crap she has to do. Um, so inside, Amani and Malik are like hanging all of their art and like they're standing in their foyer and have this like very cool painting and then two swords hanging on the wall. And I love, I love when people just hang shit on the walls. Like I love like stuff. Like I just hung a bunch of pictures and I'm like, I wish there was more stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> stuff hanging up. It makes it a home. Yeah. It does make it a home. Swords make it a home. Um you know, and they're noting too that this is the first time they're living in a white neighborhood. And Malik points out the name, the subdivision is called Harvey Hill Plantation. And he's like, that's the name of a Confederate soldier. And it's like, yeah, I think there's a lot of those around still, and it fucking sucks. Uh, yeah. And we learned that they're trying to have a baby. And she like checks her app. She's like, I'm not ovulating. And he's like, I just need 30 pumps. And I'm like, 30 pumps? <laughs> To describe her by pump is tough. I don't. Also, yeah, when you're talking not about, insignificant. No, it is not thirty. Pump, I mean, that's like several minutes. Um, but like pumps to say pumps when like she's literally like, I'm not ovulating. We want to have a baby. I love you in our new home. And he's like pumps. Yeah, that's depraved. I'm sorry. Like again, <laughs> uh, like come on. With that line, I was like, am I supposed to be on their side? Because I'm not on his side with this. This is one thing that I, I have to say I didn't enjoy. Right, like, just try to class it up a little bit, okay? Give it like, a, a little. little bit of romance. Let's not bit. mention the number of pumps. No, I don't think we need to use the ver- the word pumps. No, you're, even as you say it, it's like, the, that's the it issue. Feels, it feels wrong. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of embraced, and uh, they hear a power drill outside and go outside and find that Karen who lives next, right next door, I mean, there's got to be like 15 feet in between their houses, is installing a security camera under her gutters 
And it's pointing right at Imani and Malik's oh, house. Oh, Karen. Also, I realize that Karen, I, I now associate the name Karen with John Oliver because he has sort of those uh, asides and rants. Yeah. He's like, Karen. Yeah. Karen. Yeah. So that's when you ever say Karen, I imagine John Oliver screaming it. Yes. And so then the next morning, Malik is leaving for work and Karen is at the end of his driveway and she comes over to introduce herself and she's and he puts his hand out to shake her hand. She goes, oh, I won't shake. I'm a germaphobe. And it's like, he won't? Okay. But also she does seem like that kind of person where it's like, yes, totally. I invented it's- a new soap that cures cancer. You know what I mean? You're like, okay. Yeah, it all fits with her and also yeah. like, I mean, okay. And then... uh Malik is like, I see you take home security very seriously. Well, what would make you say that? You know, I saw all the cameras around your house and whatnot. And, uh, so you've been looking at my house? No, 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 no. I mean, I just so happen to see you have so you're many. you're casing the joint. Oh, no. Like, using that phrasing, and it's like, your house is right next to my house. Of course I see it. But then she's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it's like, you're making a joke out of assuming a black man is a criminal as oh, a white no. woman. Like, that is not funny, bitch. Like, Oh, my God. It's real, like, wild. And so then she's like, just, you know, just a heads up. Um, I don't know if you've seen the HOA handbook, but, like, you're supposed to take your trash cans off the curb as soon as the garbage comes, which is a psycho rule. I could not imagine. You have to wait for the garbage man and then be like, okay, let me go get my trash bins. And a good example of, like, how white people can use, like, quote-unquote, the rules or the law to police black people for shit that's, like, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. matter. Like, we've created a system where, like, you can, quote-unquote, get in trouble for shit, like, the most minor shit. Like that. So then in the afternoon, Karen and her her white friend, Beth, and it's like, of course, Beth, uh, are out to lunch. And she runs into a cop who is, of course, her brother. Oh, <laughs> Lord. And then her friend is like, your brother is hot. And it's like, is he's he? just like, no. Okay. He's like very, I'm like, if they had made it some super hot guy. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. but like, it's just like a guy. Like, it's like, I mean, it's just like a cop. Which, would you, yeah. I'm saying, would you, is it a 30 pumper, Allison? Would you go in for I, 30 pumps? I think that guy's got two, maybe three in him max. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she goes, she goes a very Samantha Jones. She's like, he can read me my Miranda rights any day. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, <laughs> like, Miranda. what is this character? We never see her again. It's nah. just a wild. Um, and then she's like, so tell me about the new neighbors. And I'm just like, I can't imagine a time in my life where I've asked a friend of mine, Never. Like, how are your new neighbors? Maybe in, maybe in a suburban environment, yeah. it's a little different. But like, I have no idea if my friends even know their neighbors. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, they're black. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's so, it was just like, it was so jarring to watch. But I was like, the worst part is you absolutely know that that is how some people will talk about others and like and and like the, it's not it's not just like oh they're black it's like the tone was very there's upsetting a, there's a very funny a mutual friend of ours Naomi Paragon who has a very funny joke about yeah. this where it's sort of like what is the like benevolent or like um progressive version of a Karen by which she means like a well-meaning white woman who like does really want to like do the work and know about it but but it, it, you know it's been so but is indoctrinated yeah. by whiteness that like yes. how they go about it is crazy and like weird and like even with even within like trying to be nice, it's like, oh, there's a black lady. I wanted to come talk to you. Yeah, and her, exactly. What she calls it was Jan's. So oh, Jan's Jan. Meanwhile. Okay, well, and Jan is the name of the one character in this movie who I think like does perhaps. We'll have to talk to her about where fit. she originated. Yeah, the term. Yes. 
Oh, and then Karen's telling Beth about how bad the trash situation is. And it's like, it's been like four hours. What are you talking about? Like, they don't, they moved in yesterday. They're allowed to like leave a trash can somewhere. That has nothing to do with anything. But then we see another table in the restaurant and it's uh, two uh, black men who are laughing at a regular volume. And we see all of the other white patrons at other tables kind of staring at them. Oh God. And Karen's like, I'll deal with this. And she walks oh, up no. and she's like, if you don't comply, I'll have to tell the manager. And the guys are like super uncomfortable, but also like unfortunately have to, as I'm sure in real life is what happens, is you have to play the game a little bit so that you don't get hurt, yeah. literally. I mean, it just like it's like you can't like, unfortunately, that is the situation that our awful culture has built around mm. race. And so like, she's like, if you don't comply... I have to tell the manager. And the guys are like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, we'll be quieter and kind of roll their eyes. And then she goes back to the table and she can see them joking. And the guy's like, comply. Like, what is she talking about? And Karen's like, nope, I got this. And goes and talks to the manager and points to them. Cut to Karen's enjoying a glass of wine at her table by the window. And one of the men, as they have both clearly been asked to leave the restaurant, kind of like bangs on the window. And she's just like, hmm. And it's like, he should do more than that. That's so fucked up. Like, fuck you, Karen. Um, which should be what this movie is called. So later that night, Malik is in his car. He's listening to music. He's smoking a joint. And Karen just shows up outside. It's like she's just waiting outside at all times, which is a horrifying uh, neighbor to have, regardless she's of She's got all nothing the else other going on. Outside. Like, she right. has to be in someone else's business because her life is so limited. Yes. That she's like, she has the time to do this. Yes, she can just stand around waiting for things to happen that she can have a problem with, which, eyes on your own paper, bitch. Yeah. So she, you know, she comes up and she kind of knocks on the window and makes the like, ooh, yeah, whoa, smoking. And he's like, yeah, sorry. She's like, could you smoke up the street? Uh, Just, I I have young kids. I don't want them to to see the pot. Like she does a lot. It's like, they do like really write this character to say like the pot and like these being like wildly out of touch with just like all parts of our culture. Um, And she's like, oh, you you know, how did you guys end up here? And he's like, oh, we, you know, we were living in the city and we were ready to upgrade to a nicer place and I still need to be able to commute. And she's like, oh, you guys are all migrating from the city. You're infiltrating the suburbs. Oh my God. Again, you live in Atlanta. There is no way that this yeah, is like... Yeah, I don't know where the fuck the thing is going on. You've ever met. Um, so she asks what he does, and he's like, oh, I run a community center in East Point. She's like, what does Amani do? And it's like, Amani's a successful blogger. And, he's, and Karen goes, oh, so she's the breadwinner? And like, only in 2021 is that like the assumption. Right, yeah. <laughs> like also, blogging. Blog. She's like one of the last blogs. I know. I also, from it. They never really get into like what the blog is really about. Um, and I was like, let's see the blog. <laughs> and Taryn Manning plays this character like what? She seems kind of drunk all the time. Like she's, and she kind of is doing this and I don't know her work very well so I don't know how she normally speaks but she's like, I don't know. Like, it's like this weird, like, kind of talking out of the corner of her mouth. Ooh, and it's like a little, but like not, but not really. And and it's very, it was just like very strange. And I, I couldn't decide if it was like a real choice she was making or if like that's how Taryn Manning talks. I that's don't great, know. That's a great question. And we don't have the answer to it. I don't have the answer. And frankly, I don't want to hear her talk if she's like a QAnon Trump supporter. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, 
she, she you know, she, so she's kind of like, anyway, I'm, I guess she probably doesn't know about your smoking, like, since you're out here. So, like, it'll be our little secret. And oh, kind of, like, Lord. threatens, like, I know this about you now. It's like this blackmailing element that's like, I know that you smoke weed and your wife doesn't. And I could tell her at any time. And it's like, stay out of other people's business. And also let everybody smoke pot. Yeah. Um, so... Malik comes in, he asks uh, if Imani has met Karen yet, and he says she's really entitled. And Imani's like, wait, we have a white entitled neighbor named Karen? And they both, like, kind of laugh about it. And then, you know, they're like, all right, let's go upstairs and shower. And then we're next door in Karen's son's room, and he's staring through the blinds in a darkened room, and he's watching them get undressed. And oh, Lord. It's like... It is super hot. He's a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> They're like a hot couple. Um, but again, these are your neighbors and you can't un- like watch people have sex without consent. Um, but Karen pops in and interrupts him. And she's like, go downstairs. And then she looks across and sees them. And she starts to like get turned on. Oh, and like Lord. the way that she's playing, she's like literally rising and like touching her lips. It's just, Hell yeah. It just it just goes from zero to 100 so, so fast. Right. So Malik and Imani are in bed, and she's like, I took a pregnancy test in case, you know, two weeks ago worked. And I'm like, they're doing a lot of, like, time explanation for us. But she's like, I'm not pregnant. And, uh, and they're both kind of bummed out. And it's this, like, sweet but sad moment. And then all of a sudden, they hear, like, a loud noise downstairs. And Malik is like, I'm going to get my pistol. And on his nightstand is a gun. And she's like, I told you, get rid of that. We don't need that. We live in a crime-free neighborhood here. And he's like, check get your rope. Here. You know what check, I mean? Like, check we see that gun. gun, it's going to happen. Checkoff's go gun, check off swords also. <laughs> and he's like, get your robe, let's go. And I'm like, you heard a noise and grabbed a gun, and you're making her come with you? Hell no. I just feel like that's don't go not... also. Don't go. Let them come to you. That's what my yeah. policy You've got the gun. Like, you're good. You don't need to go hunting down somebody. Uh, but they're outside, and they're, it's very scary. There's noises all around, and they flash uh, a light on their garbage cans with a bin knocked over, and a dog runs out. And it's like, oh, it's just a dog. It's no big deal. And uh, they kind of look up over at Karen's and see that she has positioned the camera to be, like, directly facing them. Like, oh, it boy. is looking right at them. And we cut inside and see Karen is sitting in a darkened room, in a giant chair with a big bowl of popcorn, just watching security footage on a projector and just, like, having fun. All right, that is terrifying. It's, it's, I I found it genuinely scary. Like, that was very upsetting. Um, And Imani's like, I don't, she's like, I'm going to talk to her tomorrow. And so the next night, she walks over, she knocks on Karen's door, and Imani's like, oh, I just, I didn't get to introduce myself, and also I made you a homemade pecan pie, and Imani, you know, she's like, by the way, like, I saw your cameras pointing at our house. Uh, you know, is there any reason? And Karen's like, well, you know, you have to have to stay safe, have to keep my family safe. My husband died, so I have to keep my family safe. And it's like, mm. okay. And then Karen keeps, like, laying into how handsome Malik is. And she's oh, like, Lord. your husband is so handsome. You have such a handsome husband. I'm sure he lo- loves this pie. And it's like, what are you talking? Why is the pie coming into play? But that is, like, what we, again, whiteness, like, the idea of, like, you're, and this is true of every minority group, of every, like, yes. it, 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 whatever matrix of gender, sexuality, and or race, or ethnicity, yes. is like, there is this compulsive like desire to both um 
make them the other. And then also while also doing that, like sexualize, sexualize them and eroticize yeah. them. And that speaks to like this larger, this, uh, this underlying thing, which is like somehow being attracted to someone like either makes us um, objectify them or like mm-hmm. we, that's just how things are set up. So we naturally do where it's like, yes. you're insane and clearly racist. But yes. like, so the fact that you feel desire for this black man causes you such, um, Yes. Like, that's what triggers even more racism. Like, you, it's yes. like, the reality is, like, who cares? And also, you're, like, of course you find him attractive. He's handsome. But because right. of the racism, it, it, you know, this is true about, like, homophobia, transphobia. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Every race. It's just so insane. Like, that's what our brain does. Where it's like, bitch, of course you do. That's fine. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yes. It's very... It's very odd. It also really came out of nowhere. Um, she's just like, he's so handsome. He's so handsome. That's he's so again, handsome. It's, but it's it's coming out. Of I mean, it's somewhere. coming. It's coming. It's coming it's, out that that call is coming hole. from inside the house. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so Karen's like, FYI, like my son saw you two getting ready for bed. Like, could you put up some curtains? And Amani's like, and she's like, oh my god, oh my god, of course, yes, I'm so sorry. And then Karen's like, anyway, thanks for the pie. And then Karen go like Amani leaves, and Karen goes and drops the entire pie <gasps> in a Pyrex. In the garbage. Like, Amani doesn't see this. She goes inside. It's like, imagine <sighs> being so full of hate that you throw away an entire pecan pie and a perfectly good Pyrex. I simply can't imagine it. I cannot imagine it. I cannot imagine it. I also, th- when you said it, I thought that she did it in front of her. And I was no, like, no, 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 no. She's like, she's like thanks yeah. for the pie and kind of like shuts the door on her. And Amani's like, um, okay. Uh, and then Karen goes and throws away the pie. And Karen goes back to, like, watching her security footage with, like, lighting a cigarette, just, like, smoking and watching it in the dark. Um, and those scenes are genuine. Again, I found them genuinely chilling. Um, so the next day, Malik is outside, and Karen's son is outside playing basketball in front of the house, and he introduces himself. And he's like, oh, let me show you some stuff. Like, I played basketball, and he's like, oh, I'm on the high school team. And Karen interrupts them and is like, you have to go to practice. And Karen's like, Malik, you're out here already. Would you help me put some antifreeze in my car? And he's a nice guy. He's a neighbor. He obliges. But as he's doing it, she starts like running her hand up his arm. And it obviously like freaks him out in all of the ways that it could and should. And he kind of like jumps and spills antifreeze on himself. And she's like, oh, just come inside. Come inside and wash your hands. Come inside. And it's like, your houses are almost touching. Like, he should just go into his own house. Yeah. Like, there is no reason for him to go in your house. But he does. Oh, no. And he goes inside, and she's like, why don't you take off your shirt, and I'll wash it for you. And he's oh, like, no, no, I, like, just need to wash my hands. She's like, no, take your shirt off. And he's like, where's your bathroom? And she's like, second hall, or second door on the left. And he walks down, and he, like, clocks, like, an open door and sees all the security footage. Oh, my that's God. That's pointing at their house. And he's Terrifying. like, Holy shit. Terrifying. Imagine, like, being in that position. I don't want so, to. No, I know. It's too scary. So then he goes into the bathroom and he starts washing his hand and he looks down at the soap dispenser and there's a Confederate flag on it. Allison. Of course there is. Of course. Of course. This is this is the racist version of uh, shell soap. It, like the little shells in the, be- in the beach scene. She has Confederate soldiers portraits and like Civil War memorabilia all over the bathroom, but nowhere else in her house, which I find. But also, crazy. it's like it's that's like his, her live laugh love. It's like live yes. laugh. Uh, uh, the Civil War was about economics and states' rights. Yes, you know, yes, states' like, rights, states' rights. It's like shut the fuck up. Yeah, so states' like, rights are what, bitch? He's in this bathroom. He has just seen all the security footage. It's racist shit on racist shit on racist shit in the bathroom. They live next door. She's been kind of weird. Hallie, I have to ask at this point, 
what would you do? What would you do? This is such a hard question because like I've never owned a home, but I imagine like finding and buying a home is such a process. I know. When you do it, like the idea of like, because my immediate answer is get the fuck out of there. It's not worth yeah. move. But I do know that that process is probably really complicated and they probably spent all their money. So it's like you are now in a situation where- Closing costs. Yeah. All of that. Into this house. And it, it is terrifying because like this kind of stuff, I mean, don't have that often, but I'm sure it could happen. I don't know. I would um, I would try to sell the house. I would st- see if I could stay with friends or family, if someone could help us, like stay with us while we try to sell yeah. it. It's not worth it. Once you see the security cameras, like it's the same as like if you're being stalked by a neighbor. I mean, she, they are mm-hmm. being stalked by the neighbor. Yeah, like, they're being stalked. It's like, you just have to get the fuck out of there. Tell everybody. And also, yeah, like tell everybody in the block, tell everyone you can. Don't keep it a secret that you've, no- you've done nothing wrong. And yes. I know that's hard. It's like she's going to use, again, like her whiteness to like terrorize right. these people. And they and don't like, know... Yeah, who these other people are either. And that's also like a very scary Ugh. fact. It's like, they've only really encountered Karen. Right. It's like, is this whole neighborhood people like this? Absolutely. That's very realistically possible. Yeah, but I would say, I would do whatever I could to sell the house and get the fuck out of there. Because then you're yeah, about to, have, you're trying to get pregnant, you're trying to have a kid. It's like, you're going to raise a kid next to this woman? Right. She's clearly insane. Exactly. Yeah. Get out of there. Get out of there. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystal's health monitoring litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystal's health monitoring litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at So Malik, like, Karen's like, let's have a drink. And he's like, I got to go. And he, like, rushes out of the house and goes home. And Imani's like, wait, so what? She was, like, in the kitchen blogging. And he's like, he starts to explain what happened. And he was like, oh. And she was like, wait, take your shirt off. And Imani jumps to, like, did you take your shirt off in this woman's house? And it's like, please don't assume that he is having some kind of, like, like, she starts to be like, what's really going on? Are you attracted to her? And it's like, no one is attracted to her. Like, of course, she's just trying to plant these seeds or whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. this is not a, a worry that you need to have, ma'am. I do not, like, that is not, there's been no evidence that that is, like, what's happening here. But again, and you like, met the, her. the classic horror, horror spouse, you know, it's like, yeah. instead of listening to the real problem, you dismiss it or you focus on something else, like, because you just, you, you don't want to believe what's going to happen is about to happen. Right. Exactly. So the next day, Imani is kind of out on her front stoop and they have, um, a technician there installing security cameras at their house that are pointing at Karen's just to be like, we got to keep eyes on her. And the technician is super horny. He's like, here, save my number. Store it as Drew. And Imani like holds up her wedding ring and then he holds up his and he's like, my favorite kind. And it's like, the fuck is this? Oh, damn. (laughs) It's like really upsetting. So Karen's at her HOA meeting and she brings up this serious situation to a group of six other white people 
and uh, and she's like, you know, I got some new neighbors, and and this other woman's like, oh yes, the black couple, and it's like, God. and then somebody goes, African American couple, and it's like, that's that version of like trying mm-hmm. to be better, but also still being wrong, yeah. <laughs> like, um. And Karen explained, she tries to explain that like Imani was purposefully undressing in front of the window and that Malik smokes marijuana in front of the home. And like her friend is like, you're going to give these people a problem over a little bit of weed? Like what's the problem? And Karen's like, they should be fined. And the HOA is like, they just moved here. We don't have a lot of families of color. Like we're not going to start bothering them right off the bat. Also it's 2020 Uh, or 2021 or whatever this is filmed. Yeah. People smoke weed. People smoke weed. I'm assuming it's not legal in Georgia. Is that why? I don't don't think so. But like, yeah, boy, is it also, it's everywhere. It doesn't matter. It's like, okay. But it it is very much still illegal in Georgia. Um, So Karen's friend gets on her ass and she's like, you're, and like Karen's like, well, can they even afford it to be here? Just like all of these like immediate racist assumptions. Um, and she's like, it starts with weed. And then, like, you know how these people are. And like, oh, no. the friend's like, what the f- That's racist. And then Karen gets upset for getting called racist, which is, like, that classic, like, now I'm the victim. And it's like, you're not a victim of your behavior being called out for being a problem. Right. It's like people are like, um, actually, you're being intolerant of intolerance. Yes. It's like, that makes sense if you're fucking stupid. Yes, Oh, exactly. oh I see. Your brain is broken. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You fucking dumbass. <laughs> So the HOA, like, doesn't support, like, them, like, starting to bother um, the Jeffries family, which is Amani and Malik. And so Karen goes home and she's, like, s- sitting on the couch just power smoking a cigarette, just, like, fuming. Like, she's upset. Like, no one is taking her side in this. Um, and Amani is just coming back from a run. And then all of a sudden she turns and Karen is, like, right behind her. Like, Karen moves, like, like a ghost. Like, she's just always, like, there's nobody behind you, but then all of a sudden Karen's behind you. <laughs> um. And uh, she's like, I th- we got off t- on the wrong foot and I really, I want to get to know you better. Hi, my name is Karen. Like trying to like start over. And Imani's like, oh, Imani. And Karen's like, what kind of name is that? She's like, it's actually Swahili. And Karen starts going off about like your people's names. Like, but, and it's immediately yeah. like, okay, this isn't going to be any better than it was. Right. Yeah, every she other can't time suddenly change who she is. Yeah. Yeah. She's not going to, even if she wanted to fake being nice, like it's not working. And uh, Imani's like, I have to go prep we are having a housewarming party. And Karen's like, well, where's where's my invite? Oh, God, Karen. In what world? In, In what, what world, world? Karen? And she was like, oh, it's really an intimate, you know, evening. And she's like, I really would love to come. Oh, my God. So suddenly it's Saturday night. We're at the party. It's a great looking housewarming. I mean, like huge, a big cheese board, several pecan pies, like good wine. Everybody's hanging out. Gorgeous looking party. Um. And Malik is talking to a friend of his and the doorbell rings and it's Karen. And he answers the door and she's like, hello, handsome. I brought a fruitcake. And it's like, don't say, also like, don't say hello, handsome to anyone's partner. Yeah, okay. That's like just in a, in their home in front of like, don't, or don't do it not in their home and not in front of them either. But like, it's just inappropriate. Um, and Karen's walking around. She's commenting on the decor, especially in the foyer. And Malik is like, oh, like this is, so I, some painting and then she points she's like what are these and he's like oh these are like ethiopian swords and she's like oh how interesting I can't wait to be decapitated like, by one of them yeah i hope it goes right through my head <laughs> um and then so malik goes back to his friend that he's talking to and his friend is like that's a chick who got me kicked out of the restaurant oh karen yes 
the Karen. You see how she just walked by without even acknowledging me? What's her name? Karen. Right, but what's her real name? Karen, I just told you that. And it's like, who's on first That's of so like racial profiling? That's very it funny. Was like very funny and fun. Um, so Karen joins all the other guests who are sitting in the living room, and they're having a discussion about what is clearly a recent case of police killing an innocent Black man. And a guy says, you know, Black lives matter. And of course, Karen chimes in with, well, don't all lives matter? And they're all like, it's just, and it's all, she's the only white person in the room. And they're all just kind of like, mm. yeah, like, do we have to fucking deal with this? Like, aren't we dealing with enough? We have to then explain this to this fucking white lady. Um, and Karen's like, I'm from a family of law enforcement and, you know, bad things happen to people who don't comply. And the guy from the restaurant, whose name is Justice, that again, we learn much later and it's hard to find on IMDb, um, is like, you don't remember me, do you? And he kind of points out, like, you got me kicked out of a restaurant. And then she kind of goes through all the classic racist things of like, why are you all so angry? And like, you know, slavery was a long time ago. And it's all like, and again, like it sounds so cartoonish to hear somebody kind of like spurt all of it out in one conversation. But it's also like, that is not, that is based on a real person. That right. is based on a real kind of person who does say those things. And like, it is a harsh reminder that like, when you are a white person, like that those things come out of other white people's mouths. And it is, that is very real. And that... Well, also, it's like you're obligated as a white person to have, confront them and have that conversation. Yes. yes. That is not you the know. job of, of Black people to have to correct them. Um, that is our job in anti-racism. Um, so the party's over and Malik and Imani are getting ready for bed. And they start fighting about Karen being at the party and just kind of how to deal with the Karen of it all. And Malik is like, I think bringing her into the party was a bad idea. And Imani's like, oh, like, you never had a bad idea in your life. Like, us having a baby. And, like, they get into this whole fight Uh-oh. about, like, finances. And it's like, Karen has, like, wormed her way into, like, Damn. fucking with this couple. And it's like, well, we're not financially stable enough. And you need to make more money. And he's like, that's why I started the STEM program at the community center. And it's like, okay. Um, yeah. I was like, also, I don't know if that's going to bring in money. I'm sorry. I don't think, I, I think, like, the whole purpose of it is to be a service and not a yeah. business. Um, but that's... What that is. Um, But they're definitely fighting. And outside the window in the dark, we see Karen just outside looking in, smoking a cigarette. Oh, so then, you know, Malik is outside. He's like having a little bit of weed to kind of like wind down from clearly a tough and frustrating fight with his wife over (laughs) their family. Uh, And Karen is still outside and she tries to apologize. She's like, I must have just drank way too much. And it's like, you play this whole thing drunk. It has nothing to do with that. Um. But then she doubles down on all of the stuff she was saying. Right, yeah. And like, which of course, but then she tries to be like, you know, your wife and your friends, they're so difficult. They made it so hard for me. You're different and tries to like make it seem like she's, you know, she's trying to split them up and separate them and make them, I don't, I have, it's hard to know what exactly her end goal is besides like ruining their lives, which I guess that's it. Um, I think it's, yeah, well, well, yeah. uh, So the next day, uh, she pulls up to her house in the morning uh, from probably dropping the kids off and their trash bin is outside and she walks over to it and like screams, trash day is tomorrow, not today. And she just like knocks over their garbage can and like garbage goes like all over the front yard and she kind of like runs off and Imani hears this and comes outside and she's like, God damn it, the dog's again. And she starts cleaning up and Karen's young daughter, Sarah, comes outside um, is just watching her and she's like, hey, like, 
if you want some help, I'll help you. And Amani's like, okay, just don't touch any glass. Um, and they're talking. And Sarah reveals that she has a boyfriend. She says his name is Colby and his dad loves the Lakers. She's in third grade. Um, and she goes, he's black. And Amani asks her mom, she's like, does your mom know about Colby? And Sarah says, oh, I'd get in trouble. My mom hates black people. And oh Imani my says, God. well, I'm black. And Sarah says, well, she doesn't like you either. And it's like, oh, Christ. It's just like, it's just a chilling moment to like hear out, like kind of yeah. that part said out loud, which I think we rarely, rarely show, but absolutely happens. Um, Karen shows up and she's like, I told you not to come over here. Get the fuck inside. Leave my family alone. And later, Karen's at a park and she's like cleaning up litter for the neighborhood or something like that. And there's three young black guys who are walking up, just kind of like, you know, they're teens, I think, kind of just out hanging around as teens do. And she's like, do you guys live around here? And one guy's like, yeah, my parents live down the street. And Karen's like, can I see your ID? Oh, And like, I, it's just like, it is like they said, this is like the, you know. Yeah, they're playing all the hits. They're playing the Karen hits. They're playing the Karen hits. And so she starts to bother them. Like, and she's like, come on, like, you don't live here. You don't look like you live here, like all of that. And this guy's like, do you know who my dad is? And she's like, no, but do you know who I am? Like, that's the problem. My brother's in law enforcement. And she starts calling the cops. And she's like, I'm very scared and plays the victim in that. Like, and it is like, it's like, these are three teenagers. It's like this white adult who's like, I'm scared. I'm doing this. And it's like, you can feel the powerlessness in it. Like, it really is. They did a nice job of like making it really feel like, what do you do in this situation? And one of the kids did all you can do, which is he started filming her um, on the phone and filming what she was saying. And she's like, there are very, there's some very suspecting. And the guy's like, suspecting. And she's like, teenagers. And they're casing the joint. The guy's like, casing. I live here. This is my neighborhood. Um, they call her racist. And she's like, that's rude. And she's like crying. And we see the POV from the phone of what it looked. And it's just a traditional Karen video of her being like mad that they're filming her, screaming, crying, making herself a victim. And obviously like, telling lies to law enforcement so that these kids will get in trouble. Um, So then Karen calls her brother. He comes with other cops and it's a very horrifying scene. It's now night, like the police lights flashing. They've got the kids on the ground, like, you know, on their knees, like with handcuffs on and it's super upsetting. Um, And Imani somehow has shown up and uh, is filming the whole thing. I don't know how she heard it. I imagine perhaps that it's like, near her home. Uh, but like, you know, the, as the cops are arresting these teens for literally doing nothing, just on the word of this like yeah. bitch white woman. Um, but Imani gets there and she films the entire thing. And she's like, this is really fucked up. Like these kids like do live here, but she's not saying anything. She's trying not to get involved, but she's just filming it. So there's a lot of like interesting, like I'm filming you, you're filming it, like the transparency that that needs to be there. So... Imani and Malik are having a strained dinner after this. And she's like, I want to sell the house. And it's like, thank God. Yeah, you (laughs) got to get the fuck out of there. You got to get out of there. It sucks and it's unfair. And it's another way that um, specifically Black, but pretty much any marginalized people don't get to have access to the things that white people do, which is that they are so uncomfortable that they choose not to be there in the first place or they leave when they, you know, it's like they should have access to that house at that price in that location. And it is unfair for Karen to, like, make them unable to live there. But, like, uh, Imani, like, doesn't tell him about, like, what happened. He doesn't. She doesn't tell him about what she saw with Karen arresting. Like, she's just like, we just got to get out of here. 
And the next day, Karen and her brother on the porch talking about how Imani was filming him. And her brother says, you know, it's nothing. Don't worry. The brotherhood protects its own, referring oh, to boy. the police. And Please. Karen says, remember when a Black family moved in when we were little? And then another, and then another. And then the whole neighborhood was full of Black people. And it's like, what even does that mean? Like, what? What? That's your trauma? Black people lived in your neighborhood? Like, that's yeah. not... And Karen you know, brings up the kids from the other day and how angry they were. And the brother's like, don't worry about it. So Karen's off to her HOA meeting again. And uh, the guy says, Karen, we got some bad news. You you can't be the president of the HOA anymore. He says, it's because you called the cops on some kids and one of the kids lives in the neighborhood and his father is a prominent civil rights attorney. So they're suing the neighborhood and the HOA and you. Like, she's like, where's the proof? And they're like, it's literally all on video. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it has gone, and they're like, it's gone viral. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hearing that in a movie is always like, oh, God, we'll never translate internet to film. Like, we can't create the same experience. So Karen's like, Jan, I mean, this is crazy, right? And Jan's just not fucking having it. And the whole group is like, look, we're all probably racist, but you're so much more racist. Um, and they tell her, she's like, well, I will not go down without a fight. And we see kind of footage from this press conference of the civil rights attorney that was mentioned. And he's like, he explains what happened and he identifies Karen and they show the video of the cops um, all being total fucking maniacs on these kids and being like so unnecessarily forceful and so scary for zero reason whatsoever. And Karen's watching the footage at home with a bottle of some very bad looking Chardonnay. And the footage says the arresting officer, Mike, her brother, has a list of police misconduct complaints that somehow keep going away and never going to trial. And Mike is watching this from the break room in the police station and the presser ends. Um, and the, you know, the the attorney who's who's leading it, he says, and rem- you know, remember like Black Lives Matter. And Karen starts just like coughing. <laughs> like she like physically reacts to hearing that. Oh boy. She runs in the bathroom and she's a wreck. She's in full villain mode. Her makeup is smeared everywhere. She's drunk out of her mind and just like those cigarettes are catching up with her. She can't stop coughing. She's like splashing water on her face like a psychopath. And I have to ask at this point, Hallie, who will survive? Who will survive? So we have Karen, her brother Mike the cop, Imani, Malik, and uh, her brother's partner, like police officer partner. Um, I'm um, Imani Malik are surviving. We it is uh, when you see a couple. I mean, this isn't true all the time, but in this kind of movie, a couple, a young hopeful couple moving into a home who's trying to have a kid. At the end, we're going to see them that they're pregnant, and it all worked out for them. Karen is dead ten times over. She's dead before she's the ground. Um, I hope that she's decapitated because by those Ethiopian swords, that would be more fun. My guess is that she's probably going to get shot. Her brother is absolutely going to get killed too. He's going to get shot. And then who's the other per- one other person? Um, her brother's partner, like co- his his like police officer partner. He will survive. Who, like, hasn't really come up. He's he will survive because he he's gonna he's gonna be the the white person that tries to do the right thing, and he will. Uh, or no, he he's not going to. He'll survive, but he will. Um, he will be temporarily removed from the forest, still paid, and then eventually be put on nine months later, quietly, and, and no one will ever uh, address it. Well, it's ripped straight from the headlines, really. <laughs> Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. 
Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So Malik and his friend Justice are sitting in a bar talking, and they're just kind of talking about this, like, you know, what has happened with, with Karen and with these kids who got arrested. And they're just talking about how scary and, like, talking about the realities of what it's like to be um, a Black specifically man in America and specifically in these very white spaces. And they're, but they're in there, they're just like having a drink and having some time together. And we cut outside to Karen's car and she's looking in the rearview mirror on the phone and she says, yeah, he's here. And it's like, she's outside of the bar and she adjusts her mirror and we see Malik and Justice leaving and getting in their cars. And Malik pulls away as we pan over and see Mike's cop car. It's like, it's like all, like, He's parked, like, basically next to them. And I know that we're just shooting this kind of down and dirty, quick, like, pandemic uh, made-for-TV movie. But put him a little further away. Yeah. (laughs) Give him a little plausibility here. Yeah, a little bit. Um, And Mike, like, hangs up the phone. And he's like, he's like, all right, let's follow him. And his partner's like, are you sure he has drugs on him? And he goes, I got a tip from a reliable source. So they pull out and follow him. And as they're driving, they flash his lights and pull him over. And Mike and his partner get out of the car and approach the driver's side. And they're like, license and registration. And Malik agrees. And he's obviously very scared, but very calmly. And he narrates what he's doing the entire time. And he does all the things that, unfortunately, Black people have to be told to do when they get pulled over by the police. I know that as a white person, I could be like, hold on, I'm just going to get a thing. Like, whatever. I'm going to get out. Like, But like, he's like obsessive rule following, trying not to make a scene, trying to not give them any reason to do the terrible things that police do to black people in this country. Um, And he's like, can I ask why you're pulling me over? And Mike is like, I'll ask the questions. And he says, have you been smoking marijuana? And Malik says, no, I haven't. And Mike says, get out of the vehicle. And he does. And he like kind of puts him up against the car. And it's a very, it's a very chilling scene that like no one should have to experience. And like, I think that white people should have to be more aware of like, this is a reality. This is a real thing. This is not like, a demon, like this is this is a real interaction that black people have with the police all the time in this country. Um, and they pat him down, they're kind of roughing him up. And Mike's partner's like, What are you doing, man? Like, this is unnecessary. And like, I don't know why we're kind of doing this. Um, and Mike whispers to Malik that, like, your wife caused some problems and now it's time to pay the piper, oh, referring Jesus. to like she took the video that got Karen and him kind of in trouble for un, you know, unreasonably having these kids arrested. Um, so Mike handcuffs Malik and he's like, what did I do? And his partner is like, I don't know what's going on here, man. And he's like, if I search your car, will I find any substances? And he opens the trunk and pulls out a gallon Ziploc bag of weed. That is like, it is exactly what cops would like. That's no one carries, no one carries that much weed like that. I also feel like this is why, and like, this is, again, this is not anything new, but it does really like, in terms of legalizing marijuana, like part of that is to try to address how much cops do use marijuana, which is a completely like the idea that someone should be penalized or imprisoned or charged for having weed is insane. Yeah. And it, granted, it's I mean, insane. we see this as like 
again, people from California and New York where, you know, you would flee. I mean, but I, I think this is like, so like, that's why some places don't want to get, don't want to legalize it is because they want to be able to fucking have this excuse to yes. search people, to harass them, to control them. That's part to of them it. in jail. To be, yes. Yeah. To be. Right. And like you said, like, and plant, be able to plant something on somebody and be like, oh, right. look, you know. There aren't a ton of things that the police can do to manipulate a situation, but planting drugs on people is a way that they can absolutely manipulate situations. Yeah. And it does happen. And if drugs are legalized, then it was one less tool that the police have for Policing. unlawfully detaining people, yeah. arresting people, putting them in prison, yeah. ruining their lives. And it is, and it, this is, and he's, and Malik is like, you planted that. Like, that's not mine. And Mike just punch, fucking sucker punches oh, him. Oh, God. It's so awful. Um, And then, it's hard. I watched this like five times and it's so, it's like shot so dark that it's really hard to see what happened. I believe what we're led to think is that Mike then, or that Malik somehow like lands a punch on Mike, even oh, no. though he's handcuffed and I don't, but like Mike was like beating the shit out of it. Again, I was like, was it his partner? I don't know what happened, right. but at the station, they bring in Malik, he's all bruised up and his partner stops Mike and he's like, hey, this is not standard procedure. I did not sign up for this. And his Mike is a very terrifying, like, I would say scarier than Karen because absolutely more power. And, right. and his partner's like, I'm going to file a report. And he's like, I'm the old breed of law enforcement, part of a fraternal order. The Brotherhood. That makes me fucking untouchable. So you go ahead and tell, and then you die. And if you ever double-cross me again in the field, I'll kill you myself. You know, and I just want to say that I just want to, there's a, I bring this up as like, because it seems very related, it's like, you know, we were talking about like bad apples with police and the mm-hmm. issue is, of course, like systemically that is, it's not, even if you are a good apple, like yes. you are part of a, a system that in this country is racist yes. and, um, and protects racism, like protects and, racist. And in, in October in Los Angeles, there was this, I don't know, I'm look, trying to look up now if there's any, any updates, but basically like there was this, an a, a LAPD officer beaten to death during a, um, you know, quote unquote training exercise. Well, it turns out he was beaten to death by his fellow officers. Wouldn't you know it? He was actually part of a investigation, investigating a claim of a gang rape of a female victim by four LAPD officers. What, <sighs> and isn't it coincidental that he happens to be on this mm. literally killed during a training exercise in like a horrific way. So this shit's not like, this is not just movies. People don't just talk about no, this. Like this, this is, is real. This police code of silence exists. And LA, I mean, the LAPD is like, you know, Notor- notorious yeah, yeah. for this shit. This has not changed. So it's like this kind of, this is a very like day-to-day example of like how interactions with the cops leads to all these things. Even if there are cops within this, the, the um, you know, you're in the system who do want to do yeah. good things. They cannot do it because that's not what the system is set up for. It's not set up yes. to protect people. It's about control. It's set up to protect racism. It's set up and to protect pr- police officers yes. and allow them to have, like, absolutely, like, absolute power when it comes yeah. to arresting and violently hurting people. And I will say, like, while this movie, like, again, like, it's super silly. It's, ca- like, it's Karen and she's being crazy and she's saying all the things out loud that we, like, as especially, like— People in liberal cities who are surrounded by a lot of liberal people don't assume get set all the time. Like it is like a goofy movie, but like they do hit these things like well, and they do really hit the police protection and the way that that system is built and maintained. Um, 
Yeah. You know, in a not-so-subtle way, which I think is an important element of all of these interactions. Um, so Imani picks Malik up, and she's like, she's like, we gotta, we gotta do something. We can't, this is like not, this isn't working anymore. And, and, um, she's home, you know, they're back home and she's making a vlog, like she's doing a front facing video into her camera, into her phone. I don't know, like for TikTok. I don't know what was the, for her, her blog. Mm -hmm. And she's just talking about how hard it is to live in a neighborhood around racists. And she hears her car alarm going off. She goes outside. Karen is sitting perched kind of like, like a little bird on the hood of what her the car. Fuck? Like that is, cr- yeah. if nothing else had happened yet, I'd still be like, we have to move. Yeah, this, this is, is so scary. Things have taken a turn for the worse. I'll say, I'll say it, Elson, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Unfortunately, uh, Karen is sitting on the hood of her car and she's like, I just want to apologize for oh my, my brother. God. I tried to stop him. Let's make amends. And Karen says, I do have something to admit to you. I do have an axe to grind with you people. And I've been taking it out on you. Okay. And she means an axe to grind with black people. And she's been taking it out on the Jeffries family. Which is quite literally what racism is. So Yes, that is exactly, yeah, yeah that's what it is. Um, and so Karen, she, she does this. I genuinely laughed out loud super hard when she did this. She like pushes herself off the hood of the, it's like an SUV, off the hood of a car, like it's a slide at a playground and like kind of like lands on the ground to start talking about this like history she has. And it's, it's so funny. It's truly, it truly got like a real genuine guffaw out of me. Big, and big swings, big choices, you know, with this Karen Manning is making nothing but big swings in this and I guess in her life. Um, and she explains that when she was a little girl, they got pushed out of their neighborhood when the crack epidemic began. And she starts crying and she's like really emotional. And Amani's like, and? Like, what? Yeah. And Kara says, it's not personal. I just think you guys need to move. I don't want you in my neighborhood and it's not the right fit. And Amani's like, we're not going anywhere and like turns around and leaves. Um, and so Amani and Malik hire a lawyer. They hire the civil rights attorney that um, we saw earlier. They hired, they hired the civil rights attorney whose, whose kid was unnecessarily um, right. arrested. And they go meet him. And Karen is like waiting outside in the car in the parking lot watching. She's always watching them. She's always just like around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once again, she calls her racist cop brother and she says, they're going to ruin our life. You take care of him. I'll take care of her. Oh, no. And then inside, you know, they're in the attorney's office and the guy's like, I don't know if you have enough for a suit and like it's your marijuana possession and assaulting an officer. Like these are two really heavy charges that are going to be hard to kind of get around, Mm -hmm. even though I absolutely, of course, believe you. Um, And he asked the name of their neighbor who's bothering her and they're like Karen Drexler. And he's like the HOA president who harassed my son. He's like, I got some information on her and her brother and he hands them a file. And I'm like, I don't know if that's how like, the law where you could just like hand like you just have a file of all of this together but um well if he's a lawyer he's not really beholden yeah to like yeah i guess that's police real. rules or something he's not their lawyer yeah he's the iman uh imani and malik's lawyer right um but it turns out that karen's dead husband is you guessed it a cop okay. um and he was killed by a quote-unquote black vigilante years ago yeah, what they does don't that go mean? into what they mm. don't go into what that means. I think they just needed to right give this a reason. And I will say, like, my I, I don't have a ton of like problems with the way that this film is put together. I will say, like, I I I know that narratively they had to, but so that it you know as a movie. But I think that like 
the real Karens out in the world don't have such yes. a specific way to yeah. point to their racism. It's not a black man did this and therefore I hate black people. It's it's more indoctrinated. It's more systemic. It's Yeah, it's this less... almost gives her, and I want to be clear, we don't think there's yes. a reason exactly. to be racist, which one, yes. yeah, most people don't have. And two, I'll be honest, it's not like um, good filmmaking. I don't know. It's like, Agreed. you want it to be something like if, that's why I said her husband's black or whatever. Like you want it to be something closer to the bone that makes it yeah. more unsettling and fucked up that she would become such a racist yes. versus like something, not, again, not that it rationalizes, but it's like, this is a very specific scenario that in some way validates her her, her behavior, behavior. And her, or her feelings rather, her, Which, the logic of like, this, right. this happened to me and therefore now everyone like this. Because I think we all have, those kind of biases when bad things happen to us. It's like, oh, when you get food poisoning at a restaurant, you're like, I'm not going back there anymore, usually. And again, like, not that it's okay or, or like it's, it's rational. It's not okay and not excused. And her to put it in the film, I agree, is like, I wish they hadn't. And I understand like just to have like a reveal of like, <gasps> of course, but like I, it does kind of undercut what yeah. they've been doing this whole time. And I just, I just wish there had been a better way to do that because it does kind of muddy what's the point that's really being made about mm-hmm. the specifically like white women and, and racism. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I'm going to look into the case. Uh, it's an uphill battle, but we got this. And um, that night, Imani and uh, Malik are watching TV and there's a knock at the door. You look through the peephole. It's Mike and his partner. And Mike's like, I've got a search warrant and I'm coming into your house. Christ. He comes in, he finds the gun. Of course that like, you know, Malik's gun. And he's like, you can't have that. And it's like, I get. Can you? I don't know. I guess he does not have it legally. And they take and they cuff him and they take him away. Imani calls the attorney and he's like, "I'm going to try and figure out what's going on." Um, and then outside is Karen. Oh no! She's standing in the dark outside of her house and she's holding a giant revolver. Like a oh, gun. No. The gun is the size of like a baseball bat. It was like so, I'm like. Why do you have this? <laughs> also, Taryn Manning is a very seems like a very small woman. So I feel like it's she like you have a gigantic gun. It might be a regular sized gun, and she's just so small <laughs> that it ends up looking large. But it looks fuck. It's scary. It was like very scary. Um, and she walks over to the back of Amani's house, and tra- meanwhile Charles is on the phone, and he's like, "What do you mean he hasn't been booked yet?" And oh, it turns no. out that this was like a fake. Not something's not right with the search warrant. They haven't brought him right to the station. And Imani calls back and he's like, meet me at the station. Like something's not happening. Something's something's very wrong here. And she hangs up. But Karen is standing outside of her uh, the house, shuts off the power to Imani's oh, house. Which no. like, that shouldn't be accessible to just like whoever. I agree. That happens a lot in horror movies. And I was like, how does everyone know how to do that? Yeah. I would have, if you were like, walk up to this house and turn off the power, I'd be like, uh, okay. You have to get to the um, basement? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's just on the outside of the house and it doesn't no, yeah. seem locked. And I'm like, this is not, we can't, you can't make houses like that. Agreed. It's a real mail slot problem. Um, oh, speaking of the apartment I, I, I'm i going to sign a lease for today, has a mail slot, so. A mail slot. Look at that. Just somebody looking in. So she like shuts it off, she shuts off the power and Karen and um, Imani's inside and she just like, she does the right thing, which, like, I feel like so... Like, it's, she just turns on the flashlight to her phone, grabs her purse. She's like, this is a problem for later. Our, pa- mm-hmm. our power is out. Like, I have to go to the police station. I have to, like, yeah, make sure my husband is there. Yeah. Get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. And as she's doing it, oh, Karen no. is standing at their back door with the gun. Oh, Christ. Just, like, holding it up. And she just, like, 
breaks the window and like opens the door and she's like, I'm coming in. And she's kind of, and she like, she never, she doesn't fire it for a while. Um, But Imani throws something at the door to kind of like put Karen off a little bit and kind of runs to get out. And I don't know why she didn't then just like run out the front door to get in her car and drive. Like your stuff is your, there's nothing in the house that isn't as important as like you and your husband's safety. So just like get out of there. And Karen's like running after her going, come on, girlfriend, girlfriend, let's do like using black vernacular. And it's so fucked up. Um, So then Karen's walking through the dark house, gun pointed, kind of like whistling, like Imani, kind of like doing that like real villain. Like she's calm and like not scared here. She's like, I'm coming to do my job. Yeah. And so she's kind of standing in the foyer of the house. We can't find Imani. It's dark. Karen's kind of pointing the gun around. And we see that where there were once two Ethiopian swords hanging on the wall, there is now only one. And Imani has dropped her phone at the base of the stairs and her the lights on and Karen kind of like bends down to grab it thinking like oh she ran upstairs and dropped her phone but Imani's just hiding on the other side of the stairs and takes the sword and just like slashes Karen's leg just like oh hell yeah like great sword we need a little bit of action we need some action it's and now like we're really moving and we're really and there's not a ton of action but we we move through it pretty quickly um and she kind of falls to the ground and then like Imani kind of stands there with the sword pointing at Karen and Karen has the gun and gun pointed at Imani and Imani and Karen's like, looks like someone brought a sword to a gunfight. And in reality, Karen would have just fucking shot her there. Like that's what we do. But like they needed to get that line out for some reason. No, no. But Imani like swipes, cuts her again. Karen's on the ground. Imani runs the worst place upstairs. We know not to do this. We know. And yet, we know. And yet, it's there. The stairs are there. The front door is right like, up there. The front door is like two feet from her. She could have just run out the front door, but instead she ran upstairs. She's doing the best she can, Allison. She is doing the best she can. And Karen fires the gun and become, begins climbing the stairs after her. Karen. Back at the station, Mike is carrying a giant box of donuts while eating one, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yes, I was like, I love this. Um, and he gets on his radio, shots have been fired at the Jeffrey's house, and he drops the box and runs off. Like, he's going to head to this house. Karen's now upstairs. He's kind of, She's kind of walking around, kind of like, like lurking with the gun. And she looks into one bedroom and then another. Like, where if... I, I'm looking in all the rooms. Like, where is this woman? And Imani jumps out from behind her and, like, clubs her over the head with what looked like a sledgehammer. And I'm like, what bedroom was the sledgehammer in? <laughs> just, like, jumps out. Gush. Karen falls, Imani gets on top of her, straddles her, and just starts strangling her. And I'm like, this is incredible. Just, I want you to kill her with your bare hands. It is fully deserved. Kill her. She's strangling her. She kind of like gets her like down where she's like, I think I can make a run for it. She gets up and starts running. Karen fires the gun, almost hitting her, and Imani freezes. And it's like, again, just keep going. Like, you stopping isn't going right. to make it harder for her to hurt you. Like, yeah, it's you got to make- zig. You got to zig and zag. But Imani is frozen, and Karen has her at gunpoint in the bedroom, just as Mike and his partner pull up. And Mike tells his partner, like, just do everything I say. And his partner's like, the fuck? So Mike goes in. He's like, I'm going to go in. He goes in. He's got the gun. There are two guns now pointed at Imani. And they start debating which one of them should shoot her. And Mike says, well, the last thing we needed is another officer-involved shooting, which is oh one of the God. worst phrases. Don't say officer involved shooting. Right, yeah. You shot someone. An officer shot someone. He yeah. wasn't involved. He did it. 
And Karen just fucking fires at Imani and she hits her, knocking her to the ground. But it's totally dark, so it's unclear exactly where, but like looks like her, you know, chest, shoulder area. So Mike and Karen are over her body, but his partner is rushing in because he's like, I heard a gunshot. I got to go in for backup. Mike's partner gets upstairs as they're saying to each other, all right, so we'll say there was a struggle. She went for my gun and then you shot her, like setting up this story. And his partner pulls a gun on Mike and he's like, this isn't how this goes. Is she alive? Like, did you check for a pulse? And his partner checks for a pulse and he's like, she is alive. Like, why are you just standing here? Like, this is really fucked up. So it's Karen, Mike, and his partner all have guns drawn on each other. And Karen fires, misses his partner. Mike shoots his partner square in the fucking head and kills him. Oh my God, okay. Immediately. Mike's partner kills him. Is that what I said? Mike's partner kills Mike. Yes, Mike's partner kills Mike. Oh, okay. Square, shoots him square in the head. He's down. He's there is no there is no like I wonder if he survived. Like it's just right, like yeah. shot in the fucking head. Yeah. And as Mike falls to the ground, you know, he drops his gun, obviously. He's down near Amani. And then it's Karen and Mike's partner. And he's just like, put the gun down. It's all gonna be okay. Just we'll figure this out. But like you need to put the gun down. And Karen says, Why didn't you just stay in the car like my brother said? And as she finishes, a bullet blasts through Karen's back because Imani is not dead. She still had a pulse. And she was lying right next to Mike's gun. She just grabbed the cop's fucking gun. Amazing. And kills Karen, just fires right into her back. Wonderful. And and Imani's, she says, I told you we weren't going anywhere, bitch. And it's great. It's the line you want to hear. And she falls back to the ground. Mike's partner grabs her. We have sirens. Uh, and they're loading Amani into an ambulance. And we hear this press conference that kind of closes out the film. And it's, uh, we see Imani and Malik both on stage injured, but both okay. Their attorney and uh, maybe the mayor, I don't know, a character we've never seen before giving a press conference. Um, and just, t- and giving a real, like really laying out um, the racism and violence that were depicted here and the systemic problem and, you know, he's talking about how discrimination leads to violence, that bias leads to violence, that these things are baked into our culture. And, and we see different groups of Black people watching this in different places, some at a bar. There was some real, like, product placement with a liquor brand that I couldn't identify, but I was just like, that's so in the foreground, I don't know what else to do here. Um, at a barber shop, in different homes, all watching this, like, really, you know, taking in this kind of final speech. Uh, and And when the press conferences... Uh, it's really well done about conflating race and privilege and about how easily violence comes from discrimination and about how silence is compliance and how letting this stuff happen is absolutely as dangerous mm-hmm. as the, as as perpetrating it because it just becomes ba- further and further baked into the racist systems in our country. And under the speech, we see Imani is now the president of the HOA. The neighborhood is changing its name to John Lewis instead of the Confederate oh, soldier. Well, that's nice. And Malik and Imani stand on the front door of their suburban home. She's very pregnant. And the final line of the speech is, all lives can't matter until Black lives matter too. And this movie was so stupid and silly in so many ways. But like, I genuinely, as I am now, like, teared up thinking about it. It is such a fucking horrific landscape for Black people in this country. And we need to do all the things that we can to to lessen the violence and lessen the evil. And silence is compliance. And it is our job as white people to stand up to that when we see it and not just let it happen. And and that that is the end. And it all worked out. And that is Karen. 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 Hallie, what 
fatal mistakes would any of the people in this movie have made? Fatal mistakes. Um, well, the fatal mistake was really Karen's mistake. And the fatal mistake is, of course, yes. not questioning your own white privilege. And look, yeah, this movie seems like, it, it, look, hey, it's it's a B-thriller at best, you know. It's a B-thriller. It does, But it does sort of get at what I think is a true thing that as white people we have to think about, which is like, to believe, to to maintain the system as it exists, which is written, mm-hmm. specifically in this case against Black people, white pe- people have to become insane. And yes. I think once you think about it in that way, a lot of things start to like, you sort of see in ways in which we're doing it. Much like I had never thought, I just assumed only mammals or only humans experience such or pleasure. Yes. I couldn't even think about whether a snake had a clitoris. Um, so <laughs> like, if you presume that the systems exist the way they do for benevolent or even neutral reasons, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to um, understand the world unless you on some level do believe that white people are the superior, quote unquote, superior race. But yes. I mean, things like you said, like officer involved shooting, that is a very specific intentional framing yes. to, to sort of uh, muddy the waters of what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. I think uh, you see people now who are like this, unfortunately, the rise of like white nationalism the reason that seems so scary and is insane is it is insane. Like to yeah. to to believe to be indoctrinated by our society, which you know, again, as white people, that's how we are raised, yes. and intentionally and unintentionally. But the reason, the only reason that, that could exist is because to an, in order to believe that you are superior to another human being at mm-hmm. all, you have mm-hmm. to be indoctrinated into a cult, and it is yes. like, it, it, and that is what whiteness is in this country. Um, yes. you know, and I think more and more people sort of understand it as such, but then it's like, oh, the, that framework informs all these systems that we take for granted, the police, the prison system, yes. uh, drug policy, like all these things like, that like, um, all of the rules. Right. And sort of like similarly, we're talking about like, like gay liberation is that it all seems very daunting because it all seems like different issues. And this is another example, yes. of like, this is actually the same issue. And the same issue mm-hmm. is autonomy in this case of the black body in America and the ways in which all these systems are set up to control it. So in this way, I thought the movie was a good example of like, yeah, in order to really fundamentally believe as a white person that you were superior to a black person, you have to be made insane. Like you have to be driven away from reality because we know what reality is, which is that's not true. Nobody is better than anyone else. Nobody is better. Racism is a fictional system set up to, in this country at least, to maintain control of white people. So I think as a, as a, as a, um, Maybe it could have been about thirty minute episode or something. I think yeah. that, but the the points stand, and I think having the Karen as the villain does highlight. You know, you see all these videos of like, why are these white women acting like this? Because on some level, they have been driven away from reality. Yes. So that when they see, you know, a black person walking their dog in the park, not only do they think that is a threat, they then think they are. They they have the privilege and allow themselves to use like to call 911 and use that authority of the existing system against them. And we all know yes. this. It's just good to be reminded of it and to think about it where it's like, yeah, yeah. Do you see these people acting crazy, you know, whether it's guns outside of a drag brunch or it's like white supremacists. Oh girl. Right. And if you, if you, if anyone wants to read something that's really going to, depending on how you feel about it, uh, I think this is a useful thing for something to read. Um, the Huffington Post did this really good investigative piece about sort of the, the rise of white nationalism 
a white Christian, like far right yeah, Christian. Yeah. It's uh, it's from May, sorry, it's from May 2022. So May of this year, it's called Living with the Far Right Insurgency in Ohio. And Oof. I'm, it's by uh, Christopher Matthias. It's extremely well-researched. You know, it's talking to those people. Unfortunately, white supremacy in, in this example in Ohio like they've been able to gain a lot of power and there's a lot of like incredibly scary like reasons behind that uh mostly it's that is sort of the project of the Republican party and so when they cater to white supremacists and mm-hmm. and and extremists then of course those people are going to gain power and then the republicans like that they, they any quote unquote normal or average republican it's 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 over. I don't know to tell you. Like yeah. you, you, you really right. are not operating of the idea of like we have to make the world better. Then this is what you're saying is the the, the alternative, which is maintain the systems that exist, which are racist. So read it if you're in a mood to read it. It's it's incredibly well done. Again, it's called Living with the Far Right Insurgency in Ohio, in Idaho rather. Living with the Far Right Insurgency mm, in, right, right, in yes. Idaho. And also, if you live in Idaho. Our hearts go out to you, man, because this is yeah. not a, a big Whew. state. So it is. It seems like there's a lot going on, and um, you know, I, I, we hope you're doing well. But um, yeah. I don't know. In terms of, so I'd say the fatal mistake is you, you have to engage it with the um, the the reality of America, and, and yes. Karen didn't do that, and so you know, the universe had to put it nope. in this film. Yes, and 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 that is fair. And and while I do think that like this movie was, you know, it's it's. Obviously, it's a B movie. It's like thriller horror. Like you know, it's it's you know made to kind of be horror, but it's certainly a thriller. It was made for TV. It's it's over the top. It feels reductive in ways. Like I do think like we have so many movies, and I think like the better you know the Get Out is the better version of this in terms of using horror to talk about race, but I feel like we have so, we cover so many movies that deal with so many real things by adapting them to the world of horror, whether that be a reality or not a reality. And I think that it is absolutely great to make sure that there, that all of the issues that people want to talk about can be expressed through this kind of movie, because I think it does a good job of being like, yeah, that's crazy. But also like some of it wasn't. And I, and that's, you know, what's so scary about this movie. And while it was, you know, played very over the top, I think um, it is less outside of reality than I think anybody would like to recognize. And I'm glad they made, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it gets dismissed as like this, like, you know, dumb, what it's like, they called it Karen. Like, it's like, she's right. playing Karen. Like, it's like, it's all a little silly, but at the same time, like a very, a very, very real thing. And I think there were lots of points and nuanced moments that brought up like the realities of what, of race in America and what as white people we are really responsible to do, which is one, not go insane and join the cult of white supremacy. Uh, but also to stay, you know, it's like to stand up and stop things when you see them and to not just let the Karens of the world continue to, you know, do the things that they do. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, I'm glad we got to, talk about these things in the context of horror. I think it's an important uh, conversation to get to have. And again, as white women, it's our job yeah, was <laughs> to like, make sure that we are yeah. aware of these things and the ways that we can very easily be, you know, be adapted into villains. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Hallie, where would you put Karen on the spooky scale? <laughs> A spooky scale.
Now, this is an interesting question because I feel like I probably found it more spooky from listening, which I probably is true of, of your experience as well. Because I feel like in reality, it's probably like goofier and cheesier. But here, yeah. I did find it very creepy. I'm going to give it a five. Um, I yeah. That it doesn't sound like a great film, but like the idea of like seeing Karen looking at those security monitors, the idea of being monitored Chilling. all the times. And this is really more of a thriller than a horror movie, of course, but like mm. those moments really are unnerving. And I think hearing them, you know, like hearing the mounting dread, someone using the racist systems that, um, that exist against someone is horrifying and it is terrifying and and yeah. to listen, to hear it again not having not watched it to hear it i think you know i'm gonna give it a five yeah i think and i think you hit the nail on the head of um it is always scarier to hear some of these things than it is to watch them which is why uh i tend to go high on our spooky scale so i'm gonna as you i'm gonna give this a four um because i think seeing a lot of it play out on the screen, you're like, oh, okay. like watching her like slide off the hood of a car right. and be like, yeah, <laughs> um, does kind of take you out. But um, I think like to constantly be knowing as you're watching, one, the dread that mounts and like, and they did a nice job of like really making you feel that at all times, but also knowing that this is fully within the realm of reality and yeah. does happen and, and is happened. behavior that is common in um, some community. Like, that this is a kind of person that is out there and has the kind of power that Karen has is yeah. is very is very genuinely chilling. So, um, but you know, it's also a ridiculous film. So, I'll give it a four. Yeah, and uh, that's a little reverse ruined for you, little Karen. Thank you. That was what a what a break, what a breather, what a break for yeah. me. I I couldn't be happier. Yes. Um, and again, not to talk about drugs, but a real great experience to to go, go experience this on muscle relaxers. Yeah, you know. just kind of melting into the episode. I think, my, I think my skeleton's melting, so I got that going for nice. me. Oh, nice. That sounds that's fun. scary, right? A melting skeleton. Yeah, melting skeleton. Ooh. Ooh. Um, well, guys, that is the episode. And um, I guess if there's one last thing to ask you besides do the work of being anti-racist, is um. Keep it spooky. Please keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Explore the world's hidden wonders on the Atlas Obscura podcast. A village in India where everyone's name is a song. A boiling river in the Amazon. A spacecraft cemetery in the middle of the ocean. Every day, the Atlas Obscura podcast will blow your mind in 15 minutes. You can find it on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode.